Welcome, welcome. We are so excited for our first episode of Big Tech Small Biz. I'm Justin Parks. And I am Ryan Holland, excited to kick off this brand new podcast. We're going to start our first episode by me interviewing Ryan because we want to get to know him and our, we want our listeners to get to know him. And then this episode two, he will be interviewing me and asking me a bunch of probing questions. Yes, probing. Very <laughs> Probing. Things that I did not necessarily write ahead of time, right. yet I've always wanted to ask uh, Justin, but I'm just waiting for that right moment to where I can embarrass him really <laughs> to the maximal amount. Right. And what better than a podcast that anyone right. anywhere in the world There's no can question, listen to? There's no question off limits, too. We've agreed on that, right? <laughs> okay. Most questions. All right. Most questions. We'll edit out the bad ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so here's, I wanted to spend a little bit of time and just explain the kind of the genesis of this idea that uh, Ryan and I kind of have jumped onto. Um, I've always wanted to interview um, small business owners because I find myself at like social gatherings and other things just spending an hour or two peppering people with questions and they want to leave the conversation, but they can't. <laughs> And I just, it helped me realize that I just love talking to entrepreneurs and I love, it's like a passion for me is just exploring those ideas and um, asking them questions and figuring out how their business runs and um, trying to learn as much as I can from them. And so what a great um, excuse to basically pepper people with lots of questions than creating a podcast. I agree 100%. And actually, Justin's a much better interviewer than I am, so I'm going to let him do a a bit of leading in that, but uh, I've kind of watched Justin ask questions over time and kind of interview people informally and that kind of stuff, and so I'm excited to do the broadcast with him because I think it's going to be good. I think uh, Justin does a good job kind of getting to the heart of the issue with people when we talk, and and that's kind of ultimately what I think with this podcast. It's going to be more than just, okay, what are your tips for yes. small business success. There'll be lots of tips, but but you're right. It's going to be more about like, we're, we really want to talk about what it's like to be a Christian right. business owner. And this podcast is for anyone that owns a business or anyone that's interested in starting a business or anyone that's curious about um, the businesses we're going to feature. But it is going to be from a Judeo-Christian worldview, for sure. Right, absolutely. And I I think that as, as we go on and as the interview interviews go on depending on who we're talking to you know there's going to be people with different just different experiences Mm -hmm. different levels of their walk with christ uh even different i mean different beliefs yeah different beliefs and hopefully you know we're gonna not just learn about their highs we're gonna learn about their lows and how they met with god in their lows and how he kind of brought them uh, brought them back and so i think we're gonna get i mean it's gonna be such a diverse array of business owners from the their actual business, right, to uh, just their their own walk with Christ and, and their own experiences. So I, I'm looking forward to learning a lot yes. from from the people that we that we interview. This is going to be a great journey. So thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to start this first episode with me asking uh, Ryan and peppering him with lots of uh, questions and just finding out about his background and learning as much as we can from him. So let's just start. Um, Ryan, can you kind of share some of the past jobs that you've had? Yeah. So there ha- they have been manifold, many, many different uh, past jobs. You know, I remember just just a quick survey. And also, we should probably mention that 
the reason why we're interviewing each other on a big tech small biz podcast first is that we ourselves are small business owners. Yes. So we are. Um, so it, I guess it kind of makes sense to interview each other uh, to to start things off and just to let you guys know kind of where we are, where where we're coming from on our journey, where we are, and even where we where we think we're going, but. Uh, you know, kind of like most of us, I started off working at a grocery store. I had a stint at Bennigan's working as a, as a uh, bus boy for yeah. about three months. Did you get sick of eating the Monte Cristo there? No. It's the best thing on the menu. Oh, my gosh. It's, I, I, I don't know what would happen to me if I actually tried to consume that right now. I mean, I would I just fall, 6, over, fall over dead? Was it 6,000 calories? No, but it was a lot. No, it, 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 was, was, lot. Thousands. it was thousands. It was thousands of calories. It was, uh, if you're not familiar with the Monte Cristo is, just real quick, imagine a club sandwich uh, dipped in batter and deep fried yeah. for about five minutes. Um, and then, of course, along with that is a, is a side of French fries. I think at times, so I would get a side of broccoli instead of fries yeah, just, to be a little bit, yeah. just to be a little bit healthier. Okay, so we're getting off track. I'm sorry. Okay. Other jobs. Yes, so did that for a while. Um, I, right after, so during college, I worked in a computer lab, so that was kind of fun, uh, especially uh, when I would help people out. I didn't know much about computers, but I would help people out, and then they would just be, like, so excited. Uh, and it was just kind of funny because I knew next to nothing, but I guess I knew an itty-bitty bit more than them and uh, was able to pull that off. And then, actually, my first job after college, I think I just said I went to Texas A&M, my first job after college, get this, don't despise the small beginnings, was labor ready? Wow! Which, if you're not from, you're probably not familiar with, <laughs> with what labor ready is. Uh, also, I just want to say thanks to our our uh, producer Michael Yearout for being with us. He is about to enter into his senior year at that other school that oh. is not Texas A and M. But I'm. I got to be nice to him because he's our intern. He's our producer. He can make us sound really bad. So I'm going to use the correct term, which would be the University of Texas at Austin. Of course, we don't even play each other in football games anymore, uh, which is a big disappointment, but that is what it is. Um, so, but my. So, labor ready, what's that? Labor ready is basically where you go in the mornings to a particular location and you hang out. Oh, my gosh. And you hope, you hope that someone picks you up to go work. For the day. Like, I remember I worked on a water tower, like, laid the foundations, the rebar for a water tower. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's cool. This is actually, like, a great, this is, like, great for, like, foreshadowing of things to come. Because it is, like, God saying, I want you to be ready. Yes. For whatever I ask you to do, right? (laughs) And I certainly did not envision any type of radio (laughs) broadcasting or podcasting. Of course, didn't even podcasting didn't exist back then. But yeah, it it really was. It literally laid a foundation for it. I mean, enormous. Your typical enormous uh, water tower that you can see for miles and miles away. Um, So did that. I mean, that was my first job out of college. Uh, it, It. it, that's a long that's story. Cool, actually. Yeah, it, it's sense. kind of a long. It's kind of a long story, but it just it just goes really just goes to show that it it really does not matter where you start, and mm-hmm. and to not think that where you start is somehow any indication of where you're going to eventually end up. That's right. So I did that uh, for a while. Then I did some vinyl siding. I mean, all kinds of odd jobs. I eventually got into, I worked for an all state agent selling supplemental uh, 
like health insurance type of stuff, cancer policies, accident policies, that kind of stuff. That lasted about six months, and then I, I started to work at actually a lighting center. Got hired to do that, and this particular part of my life was pretty pivotal because it was the first time I really saw God kind of step in in my life in a pretty, uh, pretty amazing way. This was really, if I, of all of the jobs that I've ever done, this was easily to the multiple of like one million, the worst job that I've ever had. Wow, okay. The, the, the absolute worst. It, it was, I would literally, well, and, and just as, what, what, it, what is, a, if you're not familiar, well, a lighting... You should share the name of the company, right? Probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Don't work here. <laughs> yeah, Brian College Station is only so big. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I... It, a lighting center is just basically where you go and pick out lights for your home. Typically, people that are building homes or they're renovating homes will go into a lighting center, and you know there's chandeliers and sconces, and you know I mean just a vanity lights and all types of things that you would need for your home. And and so you go in there and you pick pick out lights. And so literally, as like a 25 year old dude, I'm going into this lighting center and essentially helping women to pick out lights for their house mm-hmm. every day, all day. It, What's it, wrong with that? <laughs> imagine that you're a man, right? Yeah. And you're not... I don't have to imagine it. You, you, oh, oh, you, oh, that's right. You are a man. That's right. That's right. You, Justin is, is a male, at least for today, yeah. right? At least yeah. for this moment. Um, but yeah, so you're a man, so you understand. Imagine, and maybe you're a man that does not particularly appreciate shopping a whole I lot. Hate, maybe I sh- hate shopping. I, I, yes, I despise shopping. Even for myself, I can tolerate it for about 10, 15 minutes. Even if it's like cool clothes, cool clothes. Oh, I might like to wear yeah. that. It's just, I hate shopping. So imagine at from nine to six, guiding every day, shopping. sitting down with women and pretending like I'm some kind of expert and how to match varying, uh, uh, just varying uh, and did colors. You, did you work with, on commission? No, it was... It so was, that's really demotivating when you don't work on commission. Because if you'd work right. on commission, you'd be like, this is great. And it was next to nothing. It was like $2,000 a month yeah. for this full-time job. And it, it was just... And I, I did not get along with my boss very well. I had no clue what was going on. It was... I would literally... I would literally be crying hmm. on the way to work every day. Praying. Literally crying. Praying like, God have mercy on me today. Yeah. It was that bad. And, um, and he shared, didn't he share like a word with you? Or, he, like, he did at the very beginning. It was bizarre. I didn't expect this, but at the very beginning, the Lord said to me, if you do well in this, like this is a test. Mm. This is a test. If you do well in this, you won't have to be here very long. But if you yeah. don't, then if you don't, and what, what, when I think what God means by doing well, that doesn't mean like my sales are going to be through the roof, right. but mean do the absolute best with the resources that God has faithful. given me. To, be, to faithful. be faithful. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And just to be faithful and to be the absolute best that I could be. And so that's what I did. I mean, I knew that in my spirit. Oh, and also, God threw in a little twist. I'm a big coffee drinker, just FYI. I'm a, I love coffee. I have at least two to three cups yeah, a day. Yeah, this is a puzzling twist. When this you is a story, it's yeah. very puzzling. <laughs> It, I, I was kind of surprised by this, but the Lord also said, he said, this is a test, yeah. and the amount of time here depends on how well you do in this test. But then the second twist is, oh, by the way, 
no coffee. Yeah. I want you to depend on me 100%. I would have been like Jonah and been like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not going to that Nineveh lighting store. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, es- essentially, what, what was... At the time, I was kind of with a crowd that some of us kind of thought it was like bad to drink coffee anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a real kind of biz- kind of a weird gang. Bizarre. It, it was. It was kind of a weird gang. Oh, caffeine! It's kind of like a drug or whatever, you know. And I just reject that just outright. Right? Was now. it a Mennonite club? Or what, what, <laughs> what was it? it, it we, we were we were a pretty zealous group of yes. very young, very immature, uh, and unwise in a lot of ways individuals. I will say we I had some good times with that group. We had so some, was it really? I mean, how did you know it was like the Lord saying, "I don't want you to do this," and it wasn't just like guilt. From the other group, it, it was out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. I was a coffee drinker mm-hmm. at the time. I had no qualms with coffee yeah. at the time, and I, I just wasn't. Ex- it was completely out of yeah. nowhere. Nobody else had. I don't even know if something we had talked about. Even it was. Just, I knew in my spirit. So like, he was. He was saying, "I want you to depend on me." Yes, and and in some ways, coffee can be something we depend on for right. energy and for strength and right, right. And he was like, "I want to do like a supernatural thing. I want to do a super." Really, it kind of was because I was. Uh, rather prolific coffee drinker at the time, if I remember correctly. It was about 15 years ago. And um, so, yeah. And so I basically began this journey, a very difficult journey. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of tears, a lot of heartache. But four months into it, I got a call from my parents Mm. asking me if I would come and work for them. They're out of California, that I would come and work for them remotely. Nice. Out of my house. And was it a pay bump? As a bit of a pay cut. Oh, pay cut. But little, you could work from home. But I could work from home. I could do other stuff. I mean, it really didn't take me very long to do. Even It wasn't even a full-time job. Did you say yes immediately? Yes. <laughs> so God was, I, I, that was like God's way of saying, you passed. You passed the test. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was at a park with friends when uh, I got the call. Yeah. And I like gave the phone to Rachel, my wife, and I just walked away. Oh, my God. I just walked away. There was a little it. pond. I just walked away. I was just in a daze. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it because it, it just confirmed. Because uh, really looking back, I did. Yeah. I did the absolute best that I could. I'm sure there's areas I could have done better. I know there are areas I could have done better. But from what I knew and where I was at the time, yeah. I was faithful. And so God was like, and I went from that to an easy work from home job, yeah. making almost the same amount of money as I was making and beforehand. How long, how long did you do, like, what was that job, and how long did you do that next one? So I did that for a few years, and I, <clears throat> it, which was great. Uh, and then, I mean, my parents, I, can, I just can't thank them enough. Uh, my mom and stepdad, thank you guys <laughs> for that. That was, it was an incredible answer to prayer. And, uh, and so about... Uh, yeah, for, for a couple years, and then I was actually, I ended up getting my own office space just down the street from where we were living, and I ended up officing with another guy that was at a, uh, at a church that we were at, and so the two of us are officing together, and then I, I also, in the middle of that, I got a job with, uh, in the midst of all that, I got another job doing online ad sales for a website, oh. so I was doing a uh, legal billing for my parents, and then at the same time also doing online ad sales nice. for a website, which I actually really enjoyed that. That was a lot. that definitely prepared you for later. It definitely later prepared me for later, it, because basically when you're doing online ad sales, you do, you do your research online, mm-hmm. and then you're knocking on, you're basically 
calling the company cold. Wow. I don't have like a list of contacts or anything like that. I'm calling the company cold. You got to get past the gatekeeper. Okay, so I want to dig into this a little. Okay, bit. go ahead. What's the commission on that? What's this? What, how does it work? How do you get paid for online ad sales? Well, at the time, it, this was another one of those things where they were really getting a bargain. At the time, they were just paying me like a flat two thousand dollars a month. Oh, they, you weren't actually on commission for that either. No, these are the worst business owners. Oh, dude, th- th- <laughs> this was. It, it was. What would motivate you to sell more? Or it, it was not good. I'll just okay, say so that. So you got a flat two thousand from that. I got a flat two thousand, and and then so as I'm, but I'm also so I'm I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the online ad sales. I'm still doing the legal billing stuff. Well, I'm officing with a guy. Okay, I'm sorry. I want to ask. Oh, one more question, go ahead. Though. So in your ad sales, what was your success rate? Like, how many cold calls did you have to make to complete like one sale or to close a deal? I never, I worked there for such a short amount of time, just a few months, Mm -hmm. and it takes a long time. I never actually closed a specific deal. So they lost money on you? No. (laughs) No, No, because because I I had some real good contacts with some very large, uh, very large advertisers so they, potentially so they and, I, and I, I believe some of those actually landed because right. i went on the website later and i think some of those gotcha. actually uh, i do one in particular actually that i really worked that you know. on that ended up on the website not only That's that cool. but yeah so i'm not sure i know it would have eventually been a salary plus commission thing and this was it was actually so it was kind of a weird setup because i what happened was was i was working with the website owner mm-hmm. right it was just me him and another lady and then he got bought by a large uh, company that uh, out of like uh, oh, wow. Connecticut or something like that, and and so kind of the the idea was is that I would transition and actually work for this company. So it was like when The Office was bought by Saber, right? The show The Office. Yes, this is like Saber coming yeah. from Florida. Yeah, it was <laughs> probably in some ways as bizarre <laughs> yeah. actually as some Office stuff. Uh, it, it was. Um, it, it was an interest. It was an interesting scenario, even because I ended up getting hooked up with a contact in the Northeast, and he and we actually did a New York trip and visited some ad agencies and stuff to try oh, to wow. land this some deals. And that kind of months? dude, it just happened in a couple months, wow. man. I was a go getter. Yeah, I loved waking up every day, getting on those phones, and mm-hmm. the challenge yeah. of getting past the gatekeeper, getting to the decision maker, yeah. following. It was it was a game. It was like a big game to me. I have no interest in doing that right now. Right at the time, though, that's I had a I was look mid twenties, had a lot of energy, and and I just so so why did you leave that? It sounds like a pretty good job that you could do as well as your other job. Why would you leave that job? Well, so and and even more so, why would I leave it when there was really a full time position with this big media company looming? Yeah, for me, and it was essentially because I did not trust. That company, I did not trust the, the, the person, the that, big company ah, I see. that that bought the the little website. I, I did not trust. So tell me why? Why? Why did you? Uh, what were the signals? Well, what for were the one, red flags? I, I did. I did an advertising trip. Yeah, I did that advertising trip with that representative from the Northeast, and he was a nice guy. I liked him a lot, but there was just some shady stuff. There was a lot of lying. There's a lot of like fudging of information so and right that away, kind of you stuff. Felt like I'm going to be misled if I work here. Right, I'm gonna have right. to mislead others if I work here, and and then I, they would they were just keeping me on that this like two thousand dollar a month stipend because I was a dork and I I made you know my offer was was too low oh, or so what I, of, so a lot of it had to do with the fact that they just didn't incentivize you they didn't incentivize me and then it was just and then once I said 
hey, I'm quitting. It's like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Here, commission, we can give you this. We can give you that. We can commit, uh, we'll get you the health insurance. We'll get you all this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, if you really wanted me, like kind of what was the weight? There, there was, and it, this was 15 years ago, so I don't remember all the red flags, but there were, there were a lot. lot. I just didn't feel like I was treated like I should have been treated yeah. with, from this big media company that has all this money and that values me. I think and, you made and, the right decision. And, sure. and the work that I do. you can't trust the people that no. employ you, then that's... That's number one. It's yeah, like, juxt- work here. juxtapose that with the, so I'm, you know, like I said, I'm doing the legal billing for my parents out of California. I'm doing the ad sales. Well, I'm officing with a guy there in Bryan College Station who works for a company out of Dallas. And that company sells highway safety products. Well, they needed a new uh, guardrail, highway guardrail salesman up there in Dallas. And... Uh, his name is Steve. Steve came in to while well, yeah, we just kind of a double office, you yeah. know, the, the door in between. Steve comes in one day, sits on my futon. I had this like you know, <laughs> real sophisticated, you know. Uh, At least uh, it wasn't a beanbag. Yes, it, it was. It was a bit of a step up. Although some of those beanbags yeah. at, at the mall can be pretty comfy yes. and and very pricey. They got like we have a three hundred dollar beanbag in our house. It's very popular. Hmm. It's a it better bean, be com- it's a giant beanbag. It better be comfortable. Is it comfy? It is. Okay. You can sleep good. on it. Okay. Okay. So it, it could almost add, it's like, so you save money because instead of doing like another yeah, guest edition, which a costs $10,000, you just put the guest on the beanbag. Yeah. You know, not great for the back, but it's, it's comfy. So we, uh, uh, so yeah, so from there, we, um, so Steve comes in, sits on my futon. He's like, you want a job? I'm like, uh, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was just completely random. Yeah. No setup. Didn't prepare me ahead of time. And so from... That's a good way to actually recruit people is just to be direct. Yeah. So yeah. they don't feel like... Because you went from being like in a situation where you didn't trust the bosses to a situation where the guy's like being real straight with you and just yes. talking real plain. Like, do you want a job? Right. Here's the pay. Here's R- what's involved, right? Yeah. 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 It was very straight up. Christian company full of great people. I went up there, interviewed... Uh, just really liked everybody. It was a very different setup. You know, I go from basically, I'm going from selling uh, pixels on a screen mm-hmm. to nuts and bolts and guardrail and, you know, steel and right. cable and, and all. Uh, uh, man, I'm trying to think of uh, the names of, how, of yeah, things how that I sold. How complicated can guardrails be? It's like, it, it sounds like there's many parts to something that I thought was like two pieces. No, no, no. It, well, there's multiple products. So guardrail itself is actually pretty easy. You've got the post, you've got the yeah. rail, you've got the nuts and bolts, and you right. know all that. I'm not going to bore you guys. But you with that. sold other stuff. Others, but there are also in different systems and like high tension cable barrier okay. and just different things that um, are in treatments that go on the end of guardrail that are a little more complicated. But really, it's it's all pretty simple. You just look at the diagram and figure okay. it out. So did they? offer you sales like incentives to take this job or was this your third job where you had no incentive to sell so this was this was another job to where i did not they did not do that the idea was when i came on but they started me off with a good salary okay so they paid you well yeah they paid me well start off with a good salary and the whole idea was eventually that there would be some kind of commission structure right. that would come but it it that never came See, i don't understand this with like if i were when I would hire people to do sales, I would almost always just start with commission just to, so they would prove themselves, right? Like, I feel like that's... Right. But maybe that's a bad way to do it. I don't... No, I, I, I agree with you a million percent. So 
Um, I think, you know, from where they're coming from, you know, I've got a family and I need some kind of stable income right, and, right. and that kind of thing. Um, but it needed to at least, you know, maybe, okay, for we're going to give you this salary for six months. You know, you see how you're feeling. We're yeah. going to see how we're feeling about you. And then after that, boom, we'll have this commission structure in place and where we can, we can kind of go from there. Tr- these people, tr- like all these businesses that hired you as like, we're going to pay you no matter what. They just trusted you. You have a trust, I guess you have a trustworthy like face or well, well, a trustworthy way about you that's like, we don't need to worry about him. He's going he's gonna to work hard. Well, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, what's interesting about that is that, so the guy at the, at the media company out of the Northeast, he, he was almost kind of mesmerized a bit by me because, <laughs> because he was like, he was like, you, you know, you just, you have a really like trusting demeanor about you. And, and it was almost like yeah. confused by it. We you should know? post your picture on our, on our, on our, I don't know on our website. I don't know if that's a good idea. Let people like comment below. Yeah. Like, does Ryan look like... <laughs> A trustworthy guy, or does he look like a thief? Does he look like a like a snake. With me, with me I guarantee thief, thief. You know, tricky. Uh, no, not not that bad. Not I, that. Yeah, bad. I have Just a little bit of a like, more like a grass snake, not like yeah. a cobra. <laughs> Just kidding. Like a theater face. Yeah, I have a, the- I have a theater face. Yes, yeah, sure. you have a, you have a face for theater. I have a face for radio. You yeah. know, so it, wor- <laughs> it works out really well. No, um, so yeah, so it was kind of funny because he was kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he was kind I of. Uh, like I can trust and, you. And, but I, I didn't say this. I, what I wanted to say was well. The reason why I have a trustworthy demeanor is because I actually like tell the truth to people. <laughs> You're like trying to mentor him, as, and teach him. as opposed to this guy who I mean, it was, it was amazing. We're sitting there in a meeting, and you know, because we were looking up statistics ahead of time, and he like crosses out the statistics. Oh, the statistic is this. You know, not it's not ten percent; it's twenty five percent or whatever. You know, it's just right. kind of blatant. And I'm just like, I just wasn't used to this. You know, I was in a very kind of sheltered Christian environment. Yeah, and Brian, well, you can't called, drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's quite an uh, amongst, quite an extreme amongst other things amongst other I mean, yeah. I mean not even a sip of alcohol man even I guess Jesus was a stumbling block when he turned all that yeah. water into wine you know but that's a whole other issue but uh, uh, but yeah so it was um, where was I so yeah so this job that it paid you well yeah it and paid they did well six month trial for you to yeah. see if it was good for you and good for them and so how did that go so it it went well but I really didn't. I really didn't like the job. The job wasn't for me. I liked the company. I liked the people, like my bosses, like my coworkers. I liked everyone. There wasn't anybody there that I didn't like. Right. Um, but the job itself was not me. What I would have to do in this sales position, I'm going and I'm beating, I'm kicking the dirt with these contractors, trying to shoot the breeze with them. I know nothing about the industry. I, I'm not good with building things and all of that. And I'm just I'm so not they one of those send guys. you out on the highway. You like literally just show up on the highway. Well, or no, would you go no, to their offices? No, I'd go to their offices, meet with them for lunch, that kind of stuff. But there are times I would go out on the highway, especially when we were going to do uh, like when I'd landed a job and we're going to do a run of guardrail, do yeah. a run of high tension cable there. barrier. Yeah, we'd go go out there on the job. I mean, cars whizzing by at 75, 80 miles right, so, an hour. So how much does that stuff sell for? Like, well, I'm dying to know. Like, what does it cost to put up a foot of uh, a foot of like highway guardrail? Yeah. So. A uh, foot of guardrail, you're probably looking bet- anywhere from six to eight dollars a linear foot. Okay, so for wow. it's going to depend. You use a wood post, you use a steel post. You know, um, is it? So, what was your average sale? Was it like fifty thousand dollars? Oh, it was all over the board. It really kind of, really kind of depends. We would have some some people who would buy guardrail by the truckload. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this this one company that would do that because they have 
uh, they're basically, uh, they do maintenance. They don't really yeah. do new installation. They do maintenance. So a run of guardrail gets hit, they have, they're contracted with the state to go out there and to right. fix the guardrail. So, but they would buy like three truckloads of guardrail at a time, just the railing. And did then you maybe, guys have any competitors? Oh, yeah. You did? Big time. Okay. Big time. Uh, like uh, Trinity Industries, they're a huge competitor. They, they were, uh, I know for me, they were kind of a thorn in my side and on, on the high-tension cable yeah. barrier. Because what would happen with the high-tension cable barrier, you know, that stuff would be like, you know, maybe four bucks a linear foot to sell, right? And so, you know, you... You mark it up, uh, or maybe it's five. I don't remember exactly. Did you exactly. control your markup at all? Did you know what the bottom line was and like what the profit margin? I was? did, yeah. So I would consult with my boss and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I had the ability to kind of put the, um, you know, the the final kind of markup. Right. And I, I did that. anything to beat Trinity. <laughs> well, the, here's the thing: it was impossible. Oh, really? So say say my cost is four dollars a linear foot, right? So I'm I mark it up even ten percent. So I'm right. looking at 440, 450 a linear right, foot right. is my, you know, here's the price. Here's my bid. Well, then these guys come in at, th- at three bucks a foot, their final price. How did they do it? What, what was their secret? Well, what we, what I think was going on at the time was because when, when it comes to guardrail, when it comes to high tension cable bear, any of this kind of stuff, you have the initial project, right, where you bid the project, they're putting up 2,000 feet of rail or cable or whatever. But then you have the... Uh, the maintenance. So ca- a car or a truck hits the guardrail. Oh, so you're you putting go the out. maintenance into the cost. Right. So with the, especially with these like, uh, no, I wasn't putting the maintenance in with the cost as well. What they would do is they would underbid the project. So they could get maintenance. So they could, so they could get the right. maintenance well, that's actually parts. smart. And then they would, it was smart, but we, we just couldn't compete. They yeah. would mark, they would, but then they, there's, then they just give the state, here's the price of the post. Right. Here's they didn't the, have to bid the maintenance parts. They no. just had to win the project. Then they could supply the maintenance parts. Right. You know, and maybe we should have done something like that. But that's like when Ross Perot gave Dallas all that free land to build the Dallas airport. That he donated all that land. Um, and everyone's like, wow, what a generous guy. Well, the reason he did it was because all the land surrounding the uh, this farmland right. skyrocketed in value. <laughs> That's a genius idea. Oh, here you go, Walt Disney. You can have this land for Disney yeah, World. Yeah, we'll just yeah. keep what's around yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here, we just, we just love the so magic of Disney. So that's interesting about Trinity, and that's a, probably a good lesson for, for like any small business owner, is sometimes you take a, an upfront loss to gain you know, yeah, big some, returns in the future. Sometimes you have to, because they have those maintenance parts for life. Yeah. After, I mean, literally, it's as amazing. far as I know. And, and they just set the price. Oh, here it is. Oh, it's 80 bucks a post, even though it cost them 5 bucks yeah. a post to make it or whatever. So it was, it was a bizarre world. And honestly, I didn't really know how to maneuver yeah. that world. And it sounds like you're, the owners of the company also did not realize what the other company was doing. Otherwise, they could have probably instructed you. Well, we like let's let's underbid a little bit because we want the maintenance contract. Well, but the problem is we couldn't we couldn't afford to do that. They understood. Uh, we have, we all eventually understood what was going on. Yeah, but we were at a we were just like, what do we do with this? Yeah, so we kind of kept building projects and stuff. And eventually, I believe the company that I was with no longer even does the high tension cable mm-hmm. anymore. I it see. just got so bad. We just had to we just had to get out of it. They do other stuff, and they're still a very successful company. But it's you know so from. So you did that for how many? For how long? Three years. Three years. Wow. Three years. Uh, okay. So this was from about March 2007 to April 2010. In April 2010, I was let go. So sales just weren't going well. We were we were planning on 
we were planning on the state being able to spend all this money on these safety trailers that we we had and all this. And now, it's just did you leave your other dried job, up. your legal? Yeah, so I left the billing. I left the the legal billing. I was ready. I was just ready to be done with that. Move on to something else. Um, I was kind of ready for a complete change of scenery. So I changed jobs and actually worked out well because uh, I was able to give that job, the legal billing job, to my brother. Oh, wow. And he's taken that and he's brought it to a whole other level, done a lot better job nice. than I did with it. And he's actually still doing it to this day. Like he's still in charge of the legal billing for right. the, the law firm. Um, and he's done other stuff. He doesn't just do that, but, uh, but uh, he does a great job managing that. Um, so that worked out well, and then I was able to, to move on, get a change of scenery, new city, new job, just kind of switch so things up. So where was the highway guardrail it was, it was in South, South Dallas. Okay. Yeah, South so Dallas. So you did that for three years, and when they told you we have to let you go, were you devastated? Were you relieved? Were you um, – what was your yes. reaction? Yes, yes, yes. So, so you devastated at first I was, I was in shock. I was really in shock. I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. But I remember my, my boss called me in my office, and he called me up. And so I went up there, and I go in. So he's sitting there, and then the head of HR is right there. And I'm like, oh, this, is, this is weird, you know. Are they going to give me a raise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Au contraire. He is like, look, Ryan, i got to let you go. And so I was... Was that the first thing he said to you? Yeah. It actually, wow. actually so was. Who, is this the same guy that said, do you want a job? No, actually, so that was the... Um, uh, that was my office mate. So the way they communicated this company is great. You're very direct. Do you want a job? Yeah, very. Do you want a job? We have, have to let you we go. We got to let you go. There's nothing be- between. Yeah, it was very, very direct. And, that's I, and pretty, look, that's pretty good lesson I for all of us. It is. It is. I, I think. I think. Comp- I think employees appreciate that directness. They don't. Yeah. We don't want to, you know things being beaten around the bush or whatever. We so want. Did know. they offer you any kind of severance or anything, or what did you get to leave? Nothing. No, I didn't get any kind like of severance or anything like that. Yeah, I got unemployment, and, and then uh, so. I was I was shocked I, that had never happened to me before. Did your wife work at the time? Well, here's where the story gets okay, interesting. Okay, how long did they have to wait, Michael, for the story to really get interesting? What are we at right now on time? Huh? Thirty four minutes. Thirty four minutes. Okay, it's now interesting. Yeah, it's now. It's sorry, sorry, everybody. We, we might edit a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, but uh, so. In 2008, I'm still working for this highway safety products company. I don't know. Is it okay to mention their name? I've only said good no, things no, about them. Don't mention them. I probably shouldn't, huh? No, just, just uh, but uh, uh, so I'm working for this highway safety products company, and you know the re- the recession hits into 2008. You know yeah. things are things are kind of stuff. I still have my job, thankfully, but uh, things are things are tight, and we need to cut back. Well, we we're already kind of at our limit on our budget, and we're like, okay, where can we cut back? Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, my wife, Rachel, had looked into couponing mm-hmm. uh, as a way. We're like, well, we can't really cut back on anything, but we got we can cut back on groceries maybe. Yeah. And she looked into that and saw people like get half off of their groceries or they go to CVS and spend $100 and they only end up paying like negative $2 for the $100 worth of product yeah. at CVS. The, the I super mean, couponing, extreme the, yeah, couponing. Yeah, I mean, and this is when, I mean, back when, you know, the extreme couponing not yeah. long after that got... We re- bought a thousand cans of dog food. <laughs> For negative 12 cents. We've got four warehouses full of toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Isn't this great? It's also like... Uh, it's also like a Y2K thing, isn't it? Don't, don't they also prep? Aren't yeah, they uh, well, yeah. So there is there is an element of it that could be useful for yeah. prepping and that kind of stuff. 
But especially, you know, if you're dealing with certain healthcare products, but but this was strictly just to save money on your. This was just save money on our groceries, bill. and she. I mean, really, she was just a she was a coupon ninja. I mean, just a ninja. What was her best? What was her most legendary accomplishment? Ah, uh, you know, I don't. We can, I ask, don't her, we can ask her later when, when she's She'll on. Be on the show. She'll yeah. Show. So so we did that. Well, at at the same time, she had read this blog post about how to make money blogging. And so she was like, oh, well, I can start a blog. And then, and I'll let her come on and tell the yeah. story. So I won't get into it. But anyway, she turned our, she basically, by the time I was let go from this company, mm-hmm. she had turned it into a part time income, literally making about half of my salary every month. So it wasn't like a huge like drop. We can't pay for food. We can't pay our bills. Right. You were right. able to kind of between unemployment and her income kind unemployment, of Unemployment, her income and our savings, You're we were okay. okay. And then we had the past few years, ever since she really started this, we had dreamed of doing our own business. And so I was like, let's do let's this. Go I got to do my five job searches a month. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. a week, rather, yeah. and yeah. document all that. Pretend. Which, well, yeah, which I, which I did. That's on some <laughs> Google Doc somewhere in yeah. 2007. And uh, and I just went from there, and uh, uh, we, we just dove in. We just dove yeah. in. And within eight months, we were able to do a full-time income. So the website is survivingthestores.com, and we... Uh, yeah, within and it's eight, still going right now. It's still going right now, and uh, it's not. So, what was your like? Here's the thing I want to know: What were the things that you learned before surviving the stores that that you think directly helped you, mm. like in terms of skills? That is a that is a, I, I like would ad sales. Would you say like did the ad sales job help you in any well, way? Well, what's interesting is that with surviving the stores, I I did not have to do any ad sales because mm-hmm. we got hooked up with an ad network. Gotcha. And then those ads are those ads are pumped through. That being said, I was very familiar with that world. It wasn't scary ahead of time. It wasn't scary. It was new. It was comfortable. So that was very helpful. See, and I, I love I love when when the the kind of the dots connect when it comes yes. to like jobs that we think, "Oh, well, why am I doing this?" or "Why did I do that?" And then like later in life you go, "Oh, it was because of this." Right. Right, and I, I think on, on, on some level, there, there were a few, I mean, if I'm going to take my pre-small business owner history and, and kind of boil it down, uh, perseverance, mm-hmm. faithfulness, trust. I know those are, those are almost um, really just kind of yeah. uh, bywords or whatever, but I, I, I can't stress, I can't stress the perseverance, uh, faithfulness, trust. Um, oh, you had so many sales jobs. Did the sales come into any of the stuff that you're doing now? Not really. That's so Inter- interesting. That's interesting. Well, that being said, when we kind of moved to where I am, which we probably should quickly move to where I am right now, it, 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 it is does. going. It is going to come into okay, play very, gotcha. very directly. Um, but it, sometimes there's a big gap in yeah, things I we see. learn and to th- and the things that are that are to come. And so I, I learned I learned those things and, and really just doing the best with the resources that I have. I think I learned a lot about how to be a better employee. Even though I'm not an employee right now, mm-hmm. I've I learned a lot about how to be a better employee. And then not only that, but how to be a good boss. Yeah, I see. I learned a lot about that. And that, it's invaluable. Invaluable. How to treat your employees, how to be both be both firm, yeah. but also be understanding. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't uh, accuse them of things when they, which that has happened to me, where yeah. I've just been accused by a boss yeah. of something, and it turned out to be 
bogus, you know. Right, right. Um, and look, if I do something wrong, and I, look, I've been corrected yeah. rightly many times, and that, and that's fine. But you know, just just a, a lot that I've learned in that in that uh, kind of in that time, I think is going to be helping me with with a lot of stuff going on in, on in the future. And so, the thing that came to mind. Sorry to interrupt. No, the thing that came to mind when you were sharing, like what about the things you learned? One thing that I thought, think maybe did you learn that that God gave you a wife to help you? Because <laughs> yes. she kind of bailed you out, didn't she? In yes. some ways, like so, wasn't I, it her initiative that, like, we need our spouses? Yes, we do. We need them to to bail us out. We cannot, even though it, like we're supposed to be the breadwinner. It, it sounds like, and you did, you were a good breadwinner. But there's always times in life where we need to like re- realize that we're a team with our right. spouse and that they are right. equally capable and and even more so capable and. Right, and I'm not saying there was a struggle there where you're like, no, I don't want you to work, but it, it's interesting that that uh, there there was in the beginning where you're actually, like, I don't want you to work. It's very traditional, very, and just over over time, I, I came to realize my wife is actually a a business genius. Yeah, like she is very good she with, totally with is. business, and and so when but I that kinda, took you long like a while to realize it did. No? I had no idea. Okay, I had no idea because I was working. She was at home with the kids. We got four kids, and at the time, right. they, they were all really little. Well, and that makes sense to not have your like, hey, why don't you have a job? Yeah, to your wife, right, <laughs> right. right. When you're kids, when you're still or even, in, or even one kid, you're right, like, you know, right. They're they're little and they're at home. You know, right. you uh, prefer that that your wife can be there to. So to was there care was the, did the Lord like speak to you on that, or did you just kind of realize? Oh, thank you, Lord, for no. I, I just my... I, no. I discovered it. I discovered it when she started the website. When she started surviving the stores, and then subsequently also how to homeschool for free. It's just how to homeschool for free dot com. If you're curious, both sites need some some updating. But uh, when we started those when we started those sites, it was uh, uh, you know I didn't know. I was just oh, it's a little hobby that she was doing, which was great. I supported it, but she even she. I remember she said, "Man, I felt like God gave me." The name surviving the stores mm-hmm. for cool this name. thing. And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty cool name, you know. What I didn't how really, much would you sell surviving the stores for right now? Fifteen million. Any, <laughs> anybody? No, seriously. If anybody wants, seriously, how much would you sell it? Uh, typically, you, from what I understand, you take the what you, the revenue you get every month, and you multiply it by like thirty six. Really? Yeah. That much? Yeah. You like three for years? An online, you're saying for an online for an online business? So online businesses take your have take a your premium. To buy because that's that's quite a moment. well because you and you're losing income over 10, 20, so in other thirty words, years. Like, would you even sell it for that? For fifteen 30, million for thirty six, thirty six. Oh, right, times? right now n- n- with what it's doing right now, no, 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 because that would be uh, not it, enough. It, it wouldn't be enough because all we have to do is give it a little TLC and it's going to go and double, yeah, triple. Yeah. We, we've just been kind of letting it lie dormant for a little while because we've been focused on another thing we've been we've been doing which so let's is, get to that uh, I'm, i was fascinated to learn that a, an online business has that level of multiple for for revenue um, it makes sense to me but i had no idea it was that high so that's something that our yeah listeners probably are a lot of them going whoa that's, and, and i can't that's be maybe it's maybe it's two years and of course everything's negotiable but, but my but at least two my, years yeah at, at least, least at least two years because, at least. It, because it is so turnkey you don't get a better revenue stream than in like an online business that's just generate that's just right. cutting you checks right. and all you have to do is like update it right and, go, and boom, just keep boom, going boom. yeah it's immediate there's no break in income there's no big management turnover yeah. necessarily you know so uh okay so now let's get to it how did the um because i don't want to spend too much time on the couponing and things because i think that's a different episode but how did you get from 
in a nutshell, how'd you get from that place of the websites to what you're doing right now? So in, I'll make it quick. Early 2012, a friend of my wife's, a blogger friend of my wife's, introduced her to Young Living Essential Oils. Yeah. And, but it was like 150 bucks for the starter kit. And we were already into natural remedies and that kind of stuff. But it was anyway. a lot of money. You were like, oh, should we? Oh, yeah. Back in 2012, 150 bucks for what? For these little like, bottles what? of oil? Yeah. yeah. I didn't call it snake oil, but it was like, this is meaningless. This yeah. is worthless this stuff. Is a tough sell. Right. I'm not going to spend 150 bucks on that. They didn't have the cachet they have now. Little did I realize that was a colossal mistake. That mistake right there has cost us literally hundreds of thousands oh, of dollars. Oh, you didn't buy. <laughs> I didn't buy that year. So uh, I said no. I said, we can't afford that. We can't do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, it costs us a lot I of money, too, this. because where we would have been in the Young Living organization... You would have owned Young Living by now. Not owned, but we would have been doing pretty well. Wow. <laughs> That's all so, I could okay, say. So you, so, didn't, you said so no, didn't. and then how so the next So the next year, Rachel was like, I want to start a kit, but how do I get Ryan to agree to buying one? Right. And so she said, all I want for Valentine's Day... Oh, wow. Is a starter kit. Good I don't job. want any Good flowers, job, blah, blah, blah. I just want a starter kit. And nice. I'm like, oh, wait, whatever. Good move. Fine. So we get the starter kit. But the, our friend who enrolled us, we told her. Was this the same friend that had tried to enroll you before? No. This was a different a friend. Different, and that's that the was difference. like two levels. So if you're not familiar, Young Living is a network marketing thing. And, and our friend Sarah was like two levels down now. Because this, this, this lady who initially uh, wanted to enroll us, she enrolled someone else who enrolled someone else. That someone else is our friend Sarah, who then enrolled us. So we would have been words, much... you would have enrolled Sarah. Yeah. Right? And yeah, others. likely something. Yeah. So now don't get me wrong, we're still doing extremely well. It's our full-time business right now. But it would have been... There, there was a price... See, I think there's a reason that you didn't get that high. I don't know what it is, but well, I, I know I exactly. Like God had I know exactly it. what it is because uh, I know exactly why, and I'm glad that it happened, even though it's cost me a lot of money. Because there are people that we are under, right? Because because what happened was is by the time that we got recruited, we said, "Look, we just want the oils. We don't want anything to do with the business." Mm-hmm. And so we we just ordered for a year. Well, eventually we realized, and that's a story we can get into when my wife is on. Uh, eventually we realized, oh my gosh, this is a pretty viable business opportunity right. you know this is this is the real deal and because we've been we've done network marketing a lot stuff more and, than highway guardrail yeah yeah <laughs> well we had done network marketing stuff in the past and it all was terrible right it was just awful oh, you had, had already had some experiences oh yeah and that's one of the reasons not, why there's a lot of you know and this mln mlms multi-level marketing a lot of them have like you know kind of a bad rep you know? Oh, absolutely. They're called pyramid schemes, which, you know, those are illegal, actually. Pyramid schemes are illegal, but that's another, that's another issue. Um, but yeah, they have a really bad rap. And honestly, for a lot of good reason, because most of them are terrible. And most people aren't, most people aren't necessarily successful. Mm-hmm. So I think the industry as a whole m- might have learned a lot over the past few yeah. decades and might be getting better. Uh, and hopefully has evolved, because I don't necessarily want Young Living to be the only good network marketing company out right. there because uh, there are other products not related to Young Living that I want people, you know, I want people to be successful. Um, and so all that to say, we... Uh, you dove in. We dove we, you started we dove recruiting in, other people to buy, right? And so what we had at the time with Surviving the Stores, we had built up a huge online presence. We had like over 50,000 Facebook and the blog, fans. And the blog. Right? Well, Surviving the Stores is, is, the, is blog. the blog. Okay, yeah, gotcha. uh, Big Facebook presence. So we were able to utilize the online audience that we have to launch our Young Living business. And within 
within a year of launching the business, we were at the third highest level in the company. In one year? One year. What? One year. <laughs> I didn't know it was only one year. One year. That's like rags to riches, man. It, it was pretty quick. But, but what we tell people is that at that point, by the time in 2015, how long could we have been blogging? We'd been blogging seven years. Oh wow! So we it, had been building up a network a bit of work. for seven years. Yeah. So we, we what we tell people one year we right, made all this money. Technically, we didn't make diamond in a year. Really? Uh, yes, technically, we did make you diamond built, in a year. Built the tribe for eight years. But we wouldn't have been there in a year had we not spent the yeah. past previous years networking. And I hope sense. we talk a lot about networking on this podcast because networking is pretty much everything. I'll Michael, think about it, Ryan. Michael, networking is everything, okay? <laughs> we got we to gotta help our college boy out over there. I'm sure there's probably one, two, ten, twenty, fifty things that could help well, us we'll out with your, as well. We'll have your, um, your spouse on. Yeah, and we'll, in we'll delve deep episode, into we'll it. We'll talk about networking and talk about blogging and building a tribe because I think. Um, the idea of building a tribe is is like one of the waves of the future. I mean, it already is um, something people do. And you call it networking. Um, there's a guy named Seth Godin. He calls it um, basically building a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same thing. That's essentially what is building a following. And look, we are, people are just, we're tribal by nature. Mm-hmm. That's just who we are. That's just how we are. And I know there's a lot, the tribalism is thrown around a lot in the political realm and, and that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately everybody fits into some one or two or three or more tribes, you know, just that they identify with and feel comfortable in and, and enjoy operating in. And if I think if we can create that for people within our businesses and help create a following, create that tribe, because it's more than just here is a product that you like that you buy in the story, Maybe if you want people that are loyal and want to continue to purchase from you, yeah, you need to build. You need to build a tribe. That's right. Right. You need to build. A, need to build a following. So I love that, and I think that should be our final thought for this episode of Big Tech Small Biz. Um, we'll we'll get into more. We're going to learn more about you, Ryan. No okay. Matter, no matter what. Okay. Because we got we got at some point we got to talk about what we're delving into now. You know, and the, yes, the current we will. venture. We will, but the I want to keep. I want to keep people in suspense. That's a Is good that idea. Okay? Well, we got, we have to have some reason yeah, for them to, to actually tune in. listen to the podcast it's again. Like those shows are like tune in to find out, if, <laughs> right? Where if they, they Scooby solves the mystery. <laughs> Scooby Dooby Doo. Yeah. yeah. Will Scooby eat the Scooby snacks? Yeah. Or will uh, who will, love, who's the man behind the mask? We gotta Is leave it, the cliffhanger of <laughs> you know what you're up to now because we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot more about all this good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but thank you all, all of our listeners, for tuning in and. Uh, we are excited to uh, keep journeying and exploring um, the topic of small business and what it means to do it with a faith perspective. And uh, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for opening up, and we'll definitely dig in deeper next my pl- episode. My pleasure. Had a lot of fun. <laughs>